Welcome to a Game 1 playoff recap edition of the Grizzden Pod. Melancholy Ty Smith Sr. is here, Optimistic Craft. I'm not really sure what Will's feeling. Walker is here as well. 50% of us were at the game. 50% of us were together. Um, there's a chance that none of us are feeling super great. Maybe, maybe Kraft is. We've, we've, we have talked nothing about this game at all. Um, but if you're a Grizz fan, you know that the Memphis Grizzlies lost game one, 112 to 128 to the Los Angeles Lakers. And a game that was, um, the story is going to be dominated by role players, um, Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura combined for uh, close to 50 points. Um, it still makes me want to vomit saying that out loud. Um, but before we, we want what, the, today, what we're going to try to do from a format perspective after each one of these playoff games is do a little bit of a high level round table before going to a little bit of a quarter by quarter breakdown, just as kind of all of us were watching the games. Um, and then maybe some takeaways as we move into game two, which is on Wednesday night, I believe in Memphis. So, uh, high level takeaways. I'm going to kick this over to one of us who is in person, which is Joggle's t-shirt wearer, Will Walker. Will, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, honestly, going into the game in the last 24 hours, I have grown to be way more confident uh, in, in the series overall. I, I I know on the night that the Lakers won the play-in tournament, I was Grizz in five all the way, and I probably would change that prediction if I had the opportunity, but I don't know right now if I can, uh, with confidence, give any sort of prediction that would, before I hear what's going to happen with John Morant. To me, like that's, that's the biggest story of the game, is whether or not John Morant is going to be able to go uh, in game two, uh, much less the rest of the series. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The, the role player um, just, I mean, the fact that Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura went eight for 11 from three, and scored 52 points in this game when combined they averaged 23 for the season. I mean that that to me tells you what you need to know. And if 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 you told me going into this game that those guys were going to do this, then I would say the Grizzlies were going to lose by double digits. It's just plain and simple like that. And and so it's the, the John Morant question. I mean, overall it's 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 severe disappointment. And I think it's also helpful to know that like. This was a 113 to 112 game with three and a half minutes left. And so the final score doesn't tell the whole story. And so I think it's important to point that out in an instant reaction pod. But I'm I'm pretty disappointed and I think that this could this that my confidence is going to be dictated when we hear some surefire news about John Morant, which that could be a couple days from now. We might know we might not know until game time whether he can he can go on Wednesday. So mm. Ty, give me your um your your melancholy pointers. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty bad. Uh obviously. Um it just kind of seemed like a weird game from the start. I guess it's because Ja was playing obviously and it didn't seem I'm not going to say I kind of forgot he was out there, but there were a lot of times where I'm like he he doesn't really feel like he's doing a lot. Like Bane was like he had stretches, I guess at, at some point where he made like a bunch of shots in a row and looked good. I think it just feels really different when we play through Jaron. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just, the, the flow of the game felt weird to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, kind of what Will was saying. It's kind of hard to really take a lot from this. It's like, are, you know, are those two guys going to do that again? Probably not, but like they did it once and that matters, right? Like they won them a game. Um, that's one game that we don't right. have. Um, and I, yeah, you're right. That's probably not going to happen again, but you know, it happened once and maybe that's all they needed. Maybe they just needed that one weird game from Rui and Austin Reeves to go nuts. And that, you know, um, I'm not, I don't definitely don't think we're out of it. It doesn't sound like jaw is looking good. Apparently Tim McMahon, I think is the ESPN guy kind of following our series. Now that the Mavs are out, um, and apparently Ja couldn't use his like right hand to take his shoe off in the locker room. That's not a great sign um, when he is a right-handed dominant player for the most part. Um, 
And if honestly, if Jaws out, like I'm not going to completely rule us out of the series. Um, but it's not looking good. Uh, it just really hurts to have what were we 35 and six at home or whatever it was immediately come out and have the flip script and lose home court essentially right out of the gate in a game that we were winning by six at half. Brantley and I watched together. We both like, we were like, we could open this up in the third quarter a little bit. That's kind of the way the game felt to us. And then it looked like we did, we kind of had a couple buckets early and then it just kind of, they hit, I think there were seven for 11 at one point from three in the third quarter. And that kind of like, they hit shots and we left guys open and that seemed to change the game. And then jaw going out, there's a, I mean, let all the air out of the building. Y'all would speak to that more, but that's the way it felt. Um, and they just had big time plays from contributors that we weren't expecting. And we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the, the ESPN pregame show, I believe I'm saying, going to say this stat correctly is that um, an opening round series the team that wins game one wins 75% of the time. So, t- so craft, this was one thing that, you know, on our last pod, you went really hard in the paint on in terms of really wanting us to come out in game one and flex our muscle and show off the two seed. We didn't accomplish that. What are you thinking after leaving the ground house after game one being down? No one. So, all right. So, I'm thinking a lot of things, but um, so I'll I'll do the bad news, good news. <laughs> the bad the bad the bad news is Jenkins did exactly what I was worried about, and he decided to do lab stuff, do weird lineups. Of course, the Jaw Tyus lineup was was thrown out there a good amount. Um, we did not did not feel again like we came out with this requisite. Uh, we have to have this game type mentality, and and it was very frustrating. And so all those things, especially in the second half, because I think we were up six and we came out and I feel like we settled, you know, I mean, again, it's one of those things. This wide seven game series. We, it was a lot of shots that sometimes we normally hit, but we, we missed a lot of shots or that first three, four minutes when I feel like we could have gone up by double digits and let them kind of hang around. Um, and so that, that frustrates me. Obviously, the jaw injury, and it does the same way uh, that Ty was saying. I mean, I, it's hard with jaw because jaw acts like he can't walk, and then like two days later, he's back and fine. Um, it seems like it sounds like it was a react, you know, that basically what he had taped up, he basically aggravated that really bad. The x rays are negative, um, which means, you know, technically he can play uh, if he wants to with severe pain, but he said that it was a 10 out of 10 pain wise in the locker room to reporters. Uh, I, I would be shocked if he plays Wednesday. Um, you know, basically the NBA doing LeBron a solid by, by having the first few games spread out might be, end up doing us a favor by giving jaw some rest. But at this point I'm, I'm going with the fact that when we play Wednesday, we will not have jaw. Uh, I just think that's, we should assume that, um, and look more towards potentially having him on Friday I mean, on Saturday or on Monday, um, games three or four. So that's the bad news. The good news uh, for me is if if this had happened, but Ja had been on the floor and John had not been injured, I would have come in and told you we're winning in five. Uh, that that game was ridiculous. Uh, there, Rui Hachimura, that is the game of his life. I mean, like seriously, uh, Reeves can play like that. But for for both of them to play that way, and for D'Angelo Russell uh, to go on a hot streak, that is just not, it is not happening again. And like I said, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, the, when the Thunder and the Grizzlies played a few years ago, and Reggie Jackson had uh, a crazy game where he scored thirty something points, those teams were close enough uh, to where that mattered because it ended up going a long series, and that that game mattered, and that game pushed them along. And so the worry, I think what you're saying is the worry is that, you know, they won this game. Uh, if I think th- if we had somehow been able to pull this game out, and again, it was a one-point game with three minutes left. We had not played great, and and then they just went on this crazy run. If we'd won that game, I think the Lakers fans would be flipping out that they played that well and they still lost. 
the other thing that I want to say is, and I'm kind of kicking myself for, for being so positive about game one, because I think we still haven't shown we can win game one. Jenkins has not shown that he can coach like we need to win game one. And I just should have realized the Lake, this is the most rest the Lakers are going to have the whole series. And so I should have realized that they were going to come out um, looking spry, especially Anthony Davis in the first half. Uh, LeBron honestly still doesn't look great, uh, but I think that's about as good as LeBron's going to look the rest of the series. I still think both of them are dealing with massive injuries. I think they're going to get worse and worse as the series progress. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I, I would I would say Grizz in five, maybe Grizz in six, if I knew we had Jaw. I don't think we're going to have Jaw, so mm. now I think we have a series, and I don't know how it's going to go. I, I still I don't dis like I I don't I still believe all the right things. We're the better team in this series. Uh, even without Adams and Clark. Uh, and But they, you know, like I said, the role players stepped up and had a great game, and I think we hurt ourselves. Yeah, I think my, my points are, are going to be, like, this is pre-jaw injury tonight points. And that is, I think my my whole issue with, with the what I would say all of y'all's optimism on Ja coming back and just clicking back into gear, we didn't see that this game. There were moments, plenty of moments, where based on how they were playing Ja and him finding his groove where you sort of kind of forgot he was on the floor at times and that just can't happen with Ja. And not only just forgot about him, but sometimes he just made really bad decisions and Anthony Davis dominated him in the paint. And and I'm going to make this more about the Grizzlies than about AD, although AD does deserve his kudos. I really just think that this team is, you want to say, crossroads, inflection point, doesn't have their identity. That's what I sort of think this team is dealing with more. I think it's a bigger issue than just, um, you know, the role players thing. Because um, honestly, I think those role players – they they were given wide open looks because of the way we chose to play defense tonight and they hit the shots. Dylan was given wide open looks, for example, on our team and didn't hit the shots. And it's a make or miss league. And their guys, Austin Reeves is going to hit shots. I'm sorry. If he's given the ability to step into a three, he's going to hit shots. And so I'm I'm really down on the game plan. I think Jeff Van Gundy made a great point where we were playing a very loose Double team defense. We were not playing a firm double team defense. You had many times where our D was very lackadaisical. The second defender was coming over to guard, was just leaving wide open threes. We were playing piss poor perimeter defense again. I can think of at least five times where we failed to close out, had an easy swing swing, and Rui and Austin Reeves just hit wide wide open, easy looks. And I, I don't think that you can just use season field goal percentages from behind the arc as the as like the average law of average is going to come down. The, their shots were wide open, and so it's going to be really interesting to see the adjustments that we make because um, we're going to have to figure out how to continue to contain AD. Really, I'm not really worried about LeBron personally, um, but uh, not let role players get easy easy looks because I think that they showed tonight that they can hit them. So I guess I want to go back and just maybe jump into just any notes that y'all might have from the first quarter before we kind of go back in um, and maybe dissect different pieces of this. You won to me, um, or quarter one, was the story of it was just offensive rebounds. Ty, is, is that how you remember coming away with what happened after the first quarter? Yeah, I think I may miss this a little bit, but I'm pretty sure after the first quarter they had nine more shots than we did. Um, they had five offensive rebounds to our one, and we had four turnovers and they had zero, um, which someone said on Twitter that that's basically used to be our, our old winning recipe, like the Lakers like flipped it on its head and won the possession battle a ton. And our advantage was apparently like kind of making more threes than them to an extent. That's how we like make up that point differential. And that's just something we ended up not doing for the game either, which hurts. So when we lose the you know rebounding battle, we lose the turnover battle, and we also get out shot from three, you know, like how are you making up those points? Um, but yeah, I think the first, the first quarter to me was, yeah, shots on goal to use like a soccer term. I thought to me, yeah, 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Will. I was going to say, no, the, no, no. The, uh, I think this this was a theme throughout the game, but it presented itself in the first quarter, and it was that Xavier Tillman was the big man that actually had the foul trouble. He had like two fouls in the first quarter, had to be taken really out. Yeah. Santi had to come in, and Santi for the game was a minus 23, which was the worst on the team. I thought that Santi Sneaky had a, a really hard time in this game, and when he was mm-hmm. on the floor, um, we, were, we weren't able – to do what we normally do. And I thought, you know, T- Tillman shouldn't be as important as he's asked to be in this series, but I think that he is um, quite possibly like the third or fourth most important player in this series for us because of the ways in which he can make it at least difficult for Anthony Davis on the boards. And that's where I got worried because that to me was going to be the way in which they beat us um, is if they out-rebounded us and had second chance opportunities. And so, and they, they had just that. And, and I felt at the end of the first quarter, like it was worse than it actually was. And we were only down 32 to 27. And I was like, man, we, like Ty said, shots on goal. Like we had, they had nine more opportunities than us and we're only up down five, you know, at that point, I was feeling like we, there's a chance if we can stay out of foul trouble. And I think I should also take this opportunity to shout out Jaron, which who we haven't mentioned specifically oh. yet. Like this is this was the Jaron performance that we've been waiting on in the playoffs, and I hate that it came in a loss, but just like 31 points, five rebounds, four assists. By the way, very important assists. Yeah. Uh, given that they were doubling him down the stretch, and also had two big blocks, and and, and most importantly played 37 minutes and only had three fouls. Like, this was just a great Jaron performance. He had to get switched over onto AD um, a lot more, especially in the second half. But, yeah, that was um, – shout out Jaron, but also that that's what I saw from the first quarter. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that really quickly, I will also say, like, the, the Jaron thing, I do think that he was, he was super aggressive everywhere in the first quarter. He was setting a tone. At times, even on defense, I thought he was a little bit – he wasn't too aggressive in the sense of getting fouls, but I think he put him out of position for rebounds um, and put our team out of position for rebounds, therefore. And so, like, that's where they got a lot of second-chance opportunities. And I will say, too, like, so – no, but the rest of our team wasn't matching his energy to me. They got a lot – the Lakers got a lot of transition buckets. It felt like every time we scored, they matched with a really quick, easy transition um, uh, bucket. Um, or not. It wasn't even transition. Like, they just were able to, like, push the pace quicker. Um, and maybe they won't be able to sustain that, but that was really frustrating because I felt like that instead of sort of, like, be, being able to build some momentum and build a lead – they were able to maybe be a little bit more uh, energetic than we were. And that sort of set their ability to be up plus five at the end of the first quarter. Kraft, you were nodding your head. Was that something you noticed as well? Yeah. I mean, I just, I, so one was, I know in the post game press conference, uh, you know, and obviously Taylor was, was abrupt, uh, but, uh, but he did say that, uh, you know, obviously rebounding was a big key, but for them getting back on defense was a big key. And he was very, fr- he, he went out of his way to say, we did not get back on defense very well. And I think I, that felt, and that what I was saying is I felt like we came out of the first quarter, just not like this is a playoff game, you know, and, and maybe this is what happens because, uh, you know, two years in a row, I feel like that's happened. And maybe that's, you know, the other teams in a play in game. So they're in a do and die scenario and we're not, and we have a lot of days off. But I was just frustrated to see that. That's what it felt like. It felt like the 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 Lakers were already playing like 100%, and we were kind of doing the regular season coast the first quarter, feel it out thing. And you just can't do that in playoffs. Like, because, and you know, and, but again, yeah. I will say, I mean, and, and again, I'll, I'm it's my role, but it's also the way I feel. I mean, like Troy Brown Jr. banked in a three to make it 30 to 20. And and it's just frustrating, you know, like that's the kind of stuff. And when you're banking, when you're, when Troy Brown is banking in threes and Rui Hachimura is scoring the most points off the bench for the Lakers since 1996. And that was Magic Johnson coming in, by the way, or something. Like it's something crazy, but like it is to me, I'm still holding but on. But we let him score that many, we, we let him score that many points. We did. We did. That what I'm saying is, but that is a coaching. He I made mean, the shots. He did. He did. And so it might be that like it might be that we gotta figure out uh you know, this is where Jenkins makes the money. And this is when why coaches get fired or, or stay on, is he's gotta decide was that an outlier and we're gonna keep that strategy going, or do we have to guard him better now? 
which which opens it up for LeBron yeah. and AD. I mean, personally, I actually would have liked to seen a, us force LeBron to try to take over more because LeBron was pretty ha- was was not great. You know, he he was still LeBron, yeah. but for LeBron, he wasn't good. And Dublin Dublin him letting him see people compared to letting Rui uh, get wide open shots obviously okay. didn't work. At the same time, you know, I same way we were down thirty to twenty, uh, and then we cut it to thirty two twenty seven. I thought, okay, that was the rust. Now we're good to go. Um, and but that was you know the main thing I was seeing is just early foul trouble with Dylan and Tillman. Uh, you know, just not. But for me, it was the energy because I feel like in the second quarter, and we'll get there in a second, we shored up the rebounding a little bit better. But but that first quarter, it was just like we weren't ready, and it was frustrating for me. Yeah, can what I say I something about. real quick about LeBron? Yeah. Real quick on LeBron in the whole in in this is maybe maybe the biggest shock of the game to me besides the role players hitting all the shots that they did but LeBron James to me played better on defense than he did on offense in this game he did yet I mean three blocks and well also in transition yeah. he he wasn't like I remember two or three different times that we actually had to for like we had Bain I remember. Finally, at the very end, did an up and under instead of just going straight up in transition. And I remember a, a few other opportunities where Dylan or Bain or somebody had LeBron trailing. And I felt like that's where LeBron was at his best. It was by the rim, defending it, and then in transition. And on offense, I did not feel his impact as much. I mean, you look too, I mean, eight for 16, only three for eight from three, which he's settling for more threes these days. But in, in, in the shock of all shocks, LeBron James actually yeah. played defense today. Well, and th- it was really noticeable when uh, AD was out. LeBron was basically playing small ball five, and he was playing the Jaron role. He was he was playing who he was finding a matchup where he didn't necessarily feel like he needed to guard them on the outside, and he was roaming and he was getting a lot of contested um, shots at the rim. And he he started to play get in that role and play in that role. I think a lot in the second quarter actually. So this is the transition into it because he was they were trying to hide him on Jaron. Uh, and, and this quarter is the quarter that the Grizz won, I think 38 to 27. So we, we went up, um, and, and, you know, we we're close to half, uh, plus six, um, because we, uh, were up 11 points, um, in the second quarter. And this is when Jaron went off he, and, and will, I'm, I'm sort of curious from your perspective, you know, what could you, could you see this emergence of, of triple J happening in the second quarter and, and what, what was sort of the vibes of the stadium yeah, I with think Jaron that, taking off versus job, ja, which was fascinating to see. Yeah, definitely. I think that it was palpable in the building. Everybody was saying to feed Jaron. In fact, I started to only watch Jaron uh, on the offensive end because I was waiting for us to get him a back screen and to get a mismatch. And there were a couple times where we actually didn't hit him and we should have. Um, this is also the quarter in which I, I, decided I cannot blame the refs anymore because we went up. They, I think they had like four team fouls uh, to our one, and we were then shooting free throws from like the eight-minute mark on, and I thought that we took advantage of that a few more times, and so that helped us a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, it evened out a little bit in the second half. I'm not saying that the refs called a perfect game but I because it was lopsided in, you know, second quarter versus maybe the third or fourth. But um, overall, I just felt like this was where – we thought, you know, Jaron Jaron was going to take over, and I think he hit a he, he hit a three in the quarter too late in the shot clock. I can't remember if it was the second or the third quarter. Where I was like, okay, this is the Jaron game. Yeah, yeah, Ty, we you and I when we were watching the game, we were just it was like every time we saw LeBron on Giannis or on on Giannis. Sorry, I, that was a Freudian slip because I just got a notification that Giannis is out for the rest of Game One. Um, breaking mm-hmm. news. Tyler Hero too. Uh, and okay, so is every time that Jaron uh, would get the ball in the block against LeBron, it felt like a bucket. Tyler yeah. nuts. No, I agree. Um, it didn't look the prettiest. That's I think Chris Harrington said that it didn't. It didn't look great, but it it worked every time down the floor. Um, it's yeah. It seemed like we kind of decided somewhat early on, but maybe a little bit more solidified there towards the end of the first half of like, all right, this is like a mismatch that we really like is Jaron against anyone. Like they kind of tried to put Ruby on him too. That didn't go well either. Um, but yeah, it was a, it seemed like we got a little bit out in transition a little bit more. We got running a little bit more. We got either long rebounds. It looked like they, one key thing I noticed is 
I guess AD went out as well, but they're like big. Kind of, I think Will, you mentioned this too. Their big advantage on like even the offensive glass seemed to fade. Um, it's I thought they were like getting tired. I was like they came out crash point opposite of what we did. Right, they came out like so much energy, crashing the glass. Vanderbilt was crashing in everyone. AD was doing the same. Second half, they were settling for a ton of jumpers on offense. weren't really hitting the glass as much, and we were able to kind of take advantage of that. Um, and kind of get out and run a little bit and then use Jaron down low. I was going to say the big, the big story of the second quarter to me was we got in the bonus uh, very quickly. Uh, I think with like nine, nine and a half minutes left to go. And, and that was because they just couldn't deal with, they could not deal with Jaron. Like if with AD off the floor, they could not deal with him. And so they were grabbing him and holding him. Um, you know, and I think that was the only quarter we really like, you know, went to the free throw line a bunch. Um, and and we're the more aggressive team, which you know, shocking. That's the one. That's the quarter we win by eleven points. Yeah, and I guess I'm I'm Kraft. I want you to keep going as we move into the third quarter because this game to me is going to be remembered for the lost opportunity at the at the start of the third quarter. I just it just at least from the TV screen, it felt like if we had gone up ten or you know call it fifteen, that we could have that that the Lakers would have just maybe you know, fallen over and maybe LeBron would have rested or something. Instead, we didn't hit shots. We had some ill-advised shots, had a couple turnovers. That was when D'Angelo sort of started going, and it kept the game close. And and honestly, the the Lakers won the third quarter by, I think, 12 points. Kraft, were you fit? Did it feel the same way to you in the in the in the stadium? Were you thinking something different? I'm curious. No, I mean, I, I was I mean, this is one of my big – I mean, it's one of my big pet peeves, and I don't know. I mean, this is just a total aside thing, not an on-the-court thing. I, it drives me crazy that it's a freaking playoff game. We have the Lakers. We're up six. And half the stadium's not back in their seats for the beginning of the third quarter. It's like the most frustrating mm-hmm. thing for me. Because trust me, I could hear the Lakers fans a bunch uh, the beginning of that third quarter. And I know on TV, you know, I was, I was act, you know, it, I think it's just the bane of an NBA because even the Kings, as good as their crowd was yesterday, had a lot of empty or, you know, seats down the bottom at the beginning of the third quarter. But that, that fit to me. Like I was complaining to William about how low the energy was to begin the third quarter in the crowd. And I think, and you know, I don't think that caused it, but I think it, like we were matching the team. It was just this kind of like, let's go out and run our stuff. Um, and it just wasn't like it used to be, I mean, you know, early this year and last year, that beginning of that third quarter was the Grizzlies time. I mean, that was when we came in Mm -hmm. and put our, our foot on the throat of the opponent and really came out. That was jaws time, you know, as we're talking about jaw and he did have some moments, but that was like jaws taking over the third quarter. He's going to play the whole quarter. Uh, and yeah, and I just felt like it was a super wasted opportunity you know, missed a lot of little, uh, um, a lot of shots there early that I think, you know, some, some of them we normally hit, but there just was this lack of urgency that, that I continued to feel like happened throughout, um, the third quarter. And it just, it felt like what we've been frustrated with a little bit in the regular season. And one thing, maybe I'm wrong in that I just thought we would shift that mentality in the playoffs and it just doesn't seem like we did. Will, where do you place the blame for that sense of urgency? I, I think the blame I think the blame has to fall a bit on just what we were what we were settling for on offense. Like I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that was just us again coming out and having just a little bit of the the coast mentality like, oh, we righted the ship in the second quarter. Now let's just be a little bit lackadaisical on offense and let the shot clock run down and then just basically hand it off to each other on the perimeter. Um, let's not attack like we have been, or if we, if we do, we just turn it over. Like, I just, I just, I think it was just a disjointed effort overall on offense. And that was pretty frustrating. Um, and I, I think Dylan to me was, was spending a lot of energy on, on defense here. And so he's been a guy that I know, uh, we talked about him as sort of this heartbeat. I think he, he has his matchup. And I think that, I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, him versus LeBron, I feel like they did in some ways tire each other out a bit. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I think that is ultimately on, on other, other guys like John and, and Bain, because I think Dylan's doing his job, but overall I just blame the disjointed offense. 
to make it yeah, official. Yeah, the third quarter to me just <laughs> – Sorry. I was wanting to make it official. Ja had eight points in the third quarter. He only took five shots. Two of those – he made two threes, and then he had a little free throw uh, jumper that he hit. Those are his eight points in the third. And he, but he only okay. took two other shots. And uh, with, to me, the biggest thing to note about, uh, about that – is that um, that none of them were at the rim? None of them. They were all yep. little. They were two floaters and three threes, one of which were airballed. But those are his five shots. So yeah, the third for third. Sorry. I, I'll just say that, like, I, I really think to me, when I when the Rui stretch started, call it the middle of the third quarter. You know, there was there was moments where I just that whole third quarter, I just kept thinking, "We're sleepy, we're sleepy, we're sleepy." This is a sleepy effort. You had we were playing kind of just like lackadaisically on on offense. We weren't rotating well on the perimeter D. You know, there were moments where it's like LeBron, you know, hits a big shot like a deep three, and thankfully then Bang comes down and does like a little dribble crossover and hits a big three, and that kind of like stops some big run bleeding. But then it just felt like we just weren't we we weren't closing out well at the three point line, which allowed them to drive and kick easy. That really played out a lot in the fourth quarter. There's one specific stretch on my favorite Grizzlies player that I'm going to call out and lambast big time because I think it was a huge stretch in the game. Um, but I, I just I really felt like this is where we lost the game. I know that it was close the rest of, the rest of the stretch. But they're just – whatever happened in the third quarter from coaching staff onto players, we, we went away from Triple J here. Um, we'll get to that more maybe a little bit in the fourth quarter. But I just – I can't be more critical of what happened in the third quarter. It was awful. And I just – there has got to be something that changes next time for how we think about each quarter. And I, I felt like we had some momentum. And in playoff basketball, you got to take that where you can, and we didn't. And I, I really feel like that's where we lost the game. Am I crazy? No, I agree with you. Um, I think, yeah, I think the third quarter is where we lost the game. I know it was close after that. But the fact that we had a six-point deficit going into the fourth and we should have been up double digits, in my opinion. I, you know, I thought coming out of the third, we would have had them on the ropes, bury them then, kind of what, what you were seeing earlier. And we, we did the opposite. Um, and, we, you know, once a role player like Rui – gets pretty comfortable and he just keeps knocking them down you know it's that can happen yeah um if we come out strong get that lead to 10 to 12 within within a couple minutes of the third who knows if he's really comfortable shooting those shots you know what i mean um it's just it's different so and 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 to you know let's let's go back the other way just for a second ty thanks for agreeing with me because you know we were watching together so we probably feel like the same thing but Kraft, your boy luke our offensive rebound extraordinaire Brought the energy in the fourth quarter. And, you know, your points, you know, take some victory laps here. He not only did he he gives us the threats from the outside, but he does some, you know, call it Melton like do something things at times. We found another player that can just have an impact without necessarily making shots. And I do feel like he and Tyus kind of alone um, at the start of that fourth quarter. They they got us back in the game with some energy. They brought the energy. They did. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it it is cool to see. I mean, I, I will say it's frustrating that Kennard went one for four from three in a in a game when uh, Rui went five for six. But uh, you know, which again goes back to my thing about an outlier game. But uh, but it's good to see that I think there wasn't a time when I felt like uh, Kennard was hurting us necessarily um even though he wasn't necessarily making shots and if you told me that he would have gone one at four um i would have told you oh like like he probably killed us on defense but he really didn't i think he held his own but but i think that third quarter you know losing it by 12 so being up six and then going into the fourth down uh down six and and i you know and i know we lost the fourth quarter by 10 but i you know like you said it was a one point game and then we ended up losing because they went on a 15-0 run the last three minutes, which like eight of those points were us just like giving up. So, I mean, we we would have outscored them in the fourth quarter, I think, if we just had kind of not lost our minds the last two minutes. 
And so, you know, that third quarter was the key quarter. I mean, it's the quarter we lost by 12 points. Um, every other quarter we either, you know, were close or, or one by one. Like I said, I'm cutting off the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I, I think that was key. And that, you know, to me, that's a combo of coaching and rotations and urgency, uh, you know. And so, I mean, it seems like yeah. to me, you know, the more we talk, the more, you know, uh, that Jaw wasn't, that wasn't Jaw's greatest game and it wasn't Jenkins' greatest game. Um, and those are kind of the two guys that, you know, the, the two that obviously I just hope Jaw can even have a game. Uh, the rest of the series, but I think Jenkins right. needs to be a lot better or just thinking through rotations and other things. I mean, what was interesting is he shifted in the third um, because in the, in the first shift, he, he shifted his rotations by who he took out. And so he didn't take, um, I want to say he didn't take Jaron out uh, as early um, in the third quarter. It was like, no, he took Bain out really quick or something like that. Now I need to look up, but we, we shifted our rotations in the first and third quarter, and I wish we'd kind of just stuck with what we did in the first, but I don't know. It's hard it's hard to know. Well, if I remember if I remember correctly, Ty and I it was like half like five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. I looked at Ty and I was like, What what has Jaron done in the second half? Dude had only had four points with five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter in the second half versus the nineteen points that he had in the first half. You know, did you see something specifically that the Lakers were doing from an adjustment perspective, or did we just go away from him when we shouldn't have? Yeah, no, I think I think it was a combination. I mean, I was going to use this opportunity to credit the Lakers' defense because I feel like that and like that's not going to get enough credit. I think that there's their guys hitting shots on the other end is going to get a lot of credit, but I think that they really prioritized Jaron uh, because. They, I mean, and their defense was packing the paint. I mean, like they were packing the paint and they decided anybody but this guy is going to beat us. And they doubled him every once in a while. But also we had guys that weren't looking for him. Uh, and I feel like because this, this maybe, maybe this offensive uh, just increase for Jaron, since it is like a the latter half of the season, it's just not something that we had prioritized entire the entire season. And so guys first instinct isn't to go, go for Jaron. Um, but we should have, we had to, I mean, he, he, he had 31 points and so I'm not asking him to do more, but it definitely is something that I wish that we had prioritized a little bit more in the second half, but also credit to the Lakers defense as well. Yeah. And I would just say this is that the other side, the other thing of this that I just kept thinking is that it shocked me how hard Bain had to work to get shots. I just felt like that, that Reeves surprisingly did a really good job guarding him. And I know that he ended with around, I think 22 points, but they felt like tough looks for the majority of his points. I know he had some easy transition buckets here and there, but nothing felt really easy. I know it's the playoffs. So duh, that's not a surprise, but man, I really just thought that that was going to be a matchup that he could exploit. Kraft, did you see Bain exploiting that matchup, or did you see Reeves sticking on Bain tougher than no. what you had expected coming into the series? Yeah, no, I think I think Reeves did a good job on Bain. I mean, I think Reeves is a is a you know decent defender. Like, I think he's not a bad defender. Um, for me, it's 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 we need to take advantage of you know this may be where you get into the Dylan issue, but we got to take advantage of you know Schroeder of D'Angelo Russell. Of, of guys like that, um, when they're in, we've got to hunt them better. And, and that's one thing. And maybe, you know, if Jaw had not gone out and we'd had the last three, four minutes, we would have seen more jaw hunting matchups in, in the pick and roll. But I was kind of surprised we didn't see more of that, uh, you know, going on. And, and it did seem like Bain, especially late, uh, we kind of forced it to him a little bit much and he kind of forced it. Like he, he took some shots that I don't think were as open and we could have gotten slightly better shots. Um, you know, I just think that the, they, you know, and, and I guess I agree with Will credit to the Lakers defense. Like they kept us out of the paint, like us getting into the paint and then either hitting a floater or get, or putting it, you know, um, dishing it out to somebody around the three point line. We just rarely had that happen in this game. Um, and so, you know, I also think, you know, credit to them. They had 11 blocks in the game. I think you're right early on, especially, I think Anthony Davis and LeBron went out of their way to really go after layups um, and really get back on defense and try to block shots. And I think that had us a little rattled. And I think we didn't go in the paint nearly as much. 
And I don't know why we didn't feed Jaron more in the paint too. So to land this plane, guys, because it is we're coming up on the forty minute mark, and um, I know everyone just loves hearing us rant about um, the the <laughs> sadness that it was of Game One. I'm about to make a bold bold statement, and and let y'all react and, and say any other thing that you want to. But is it possible that given the injury to Jaws' right hand, where he was coming into the game with right hand, all of the drama entering into this series, you've got his pending lawsuit, the countersuit, the uh, what I would call sort of the schizophrenia of like whose team is this? It's a real thing. Um, and that heading into the playoffs, is it possible that we have a better chance to beat the Lakers without Ja? Because I sort of feel like, it may be the case. I don't think you're crazy be because in this moment in time, an unhealthy jaw is not one that adds a whole, it's not as if he's affecting the game in a whole lot more ways than just basically being better than everybody else on offense. And because on defense, he's somebody that, you know, he can, he's held his own a bit better this season, but it's not as if he's, uh, you can't, you can't also use him as a decoy as much when the other team knows he's injured. And there's something to, at least to me, throughout, I would say the first three and a half quarters of a game where I get the most frustrated in our offense when I feel like we take shots out of rhythm. And it, Tyus is a guy who's always going to keep the ball moving and keep the ball That's in right. rhythm. And so I think you could see maybe other guys playing a little bit better um, maybe throughout the course of the game. Granted, I think it is fair to say in the last half of the fourth quarter, that is where you want a guy like Ja to where even if they're double teaming him, you know that he's smart enough to maybe make the right play and at least have a swing-swing situation. Um where you're going to find an open shot. And that's where I am the most concerned. Uh, do I think that our, let's say, like our, the odds that we would extend the lead of a game in the first three and a half quarters are better without an injured jaw? And maybe a jaw who's dealing with a lot right now and how he's fitting into this team? Yeah. I don't think that's like a crazy statement. And I, I will make, I'll, I'll let these other two guys make uh, another point real quick. Uh, too. But before that, I just wanted to say you're about to see a lot of debates online about the restricted area and how AD slid in front of Ja. And so that is about to be litigated. I think that there's there's truth to the fact that there is there are incentives for defenders to do that. And it, it the, the last guy, I mean, the guy who's going to be benefited by that the least is a guy like John Morant who's going to be playing above the rim and has this explosiveness. And when you're incentivizing defenders to undercut him and are going to call, you know, more charges in that scenario, then you're going to get situations like this. At the same time, like this is what we are scared of with John Morant and the way he plays. When he, when he flies yep. high, he is taking a ton of risk. And we saw it today when he lands wrong. That's it. And and so we'll we'll see. I mean, I hope he can come back. I don't think you're crazy though to say that, Brantley. What do you guys think, Tirecraft? Uh, I just think it's hard to. I don't know. It's just he's. We've always known him, or personally me, I've always known Jaws like the closer, right? Like that's what he's always been for us. That's always you know when we're at our best, and that's been our offense in the fourth for better or for worse. Um, it's hard to see. That's why I said at the initially at the pod that the game just felt different because we were playing through Jaron so much, and I'm just kind of not used to us doing that as much. Um, we were pretty successful at it for the most part, but kind of I don't know. It's kind of hard to say that we're better off necessarily. I think what we're mainly going to do is just have to change the way we play. Um, and to a point, I mean, I think we are fairly, you know well adapted or can be well adapted to do that um Tyus is great at his role he's really good but he's not like he's not a closer he's not a go get a bucket guy you know like Bain can't go six for 18 from the field again um without Ja like Bain's gonna have to be a different guy Jaron's gonna have to continue to be what he was Dylan's gonna have to make shots Kennard's gonna have to come in to make shots like we're gonna have to get it a different way um so that's kind of my my big point is it's just gonna look different um, do I think we can still, like I said, do I think we still can win the series without Ja? I do. 
Um, it's going to take a lot and a big effort, and Jaron's going to have to be out of his mind, and I think he can do it. Um, but I think it's just going to look different than what I'm used to seeing or expected to see. Because I expected Ja to have a huge series. Um, so, you know, after game one, that looks like that may not be the case. So me, personally, in my mind, I'm trying to kind of get over that too. So, Yeah, and I think, I think my point is that it's just as much about how Ja was looking before wrist injury tonight yeah. as it is wrist injury. Right. Like, like Kraft, I know that we sort of debated this a little bit on our last pod, but I just didn't think Ja was just going to all of a sudden snap back into like pre-counseling session Ja. Let's just go, and that's a time period thing versus uh, an indictment of something. And and I think with the game plan, to, to Ty's point, the way we came out and played through Jaron pretty quickly, that was a pretty, you know, that was a little bit of a, of a you know, revealing of our cards of how we were going to play. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a part of me. So, I mean, part of me is like, there's so many different things. You know, there's obviously the jaw uh, has been, has has never, you know, hasn't gotten in a groove really since coming back from the suspension. He's had those weird quotes about how it's like, it's not my team, it's jaw, Bain, it's jaw, Bain and Jaren's team. And, uh, but like, we also know, looking at last year, I mean, this happened last year that we, Jaw was weird at the beginning of the playoffs because the T-Wolves put Vanderbilt on him, the same guy that, that the Lakers put on him today, and he struggled a little bit to figure that out too, and, and that Jaw is sort of a player that I think likes to figure out how a team's playing him, and in that sense doesn't come out just firing. Uh, and so it felt, you know, it felt like a little bit of deja vu from last year too. So is it is it this kind of, for whatever reason, he's frustratingly – uh, you know, slower out of the gate in the playoffs uh, because that's what it felt like last year. Or is, you know, or is it kind of rust and trying to figure out his new identity? Is it the hand injury? These are all the kind of things that I'm not sure. I do to answer your question. I do think that there is a shot. Uh, I don't know if we can win the series, but I think there is a shot that we will look really good um, without him, a la the Warriors series. Uh, you know, which of course for us, we looked great in all the Warriors games without Ja. The problem was in game four and game six, we had no closer, as Will and Ty have talked about. Yeah. Um, in the game five, we were up so much it didn't matter. And so to me, the key is if we do not have Jaw, we need game two to be like game five uh, in the sense that we get up, we, we get off to a good start, we hit some threes early, we kind of get out and run on them, and, and so it's not a close game. And one of the things that, you know, the big thing with Tyus is like looking today – uh, I mean, the big thing to me, the, the weird looking at the stats today is all the things people thought that the Lakers were going to kill us in point, you know, maybe points in the paint, maybe rebounds. I mean, they did get a few more rebounds than us on the defensive side, but like we missed a whole lot more shots than they did. And, and really the things that stood out as far as differences is they hit more threes, as we talked about, especially their role players. And they had nine, 10 more fast break points than us, which you never would have thought would be uh, our issue. And they're not going to have fast break points uh, by a Tyus-led team because Tyus doesn't turn the ball over. And and I think that's one key thing mm. about when we play with Tyus is, is he's a better defender than Jaw or at least as good, but we don't turn the ball over as much. And so we get back on defense and get to play really good defense uh, in the half court a lot more. And so that's, you know, that's the hope. The hope is that our role players play better, that Kennard doesn't go one for four, that he goes like four for seven. Um, and that Rui and Reeves and D'Angelo Russell uh, don't act like they're six men of the year anymore and, uh, and play their, to their normal selves. Uh, last last yeah. note, uh, I should have led with this, but John not playing, given how thin we are, just means that Conchar is going to come in. And that's, to me, the biggest point yeah. in the favor of the non-John minutes. I'd written that point down and then to forgot to, to make it. And then, you, and, then you, and then you dropped the Jitty's comment. No, and it, that makes me actually feel a lot less optimistic. No, no. Like, it's not, just, it's not just that Conchar is, like, in four of our six best lineups. And it's not just that Conchar is a good rebounder and a good defensive player. By the way, we didn't have a problem scoring on them today. We had a problem defending them. It's not just that, but it's that when Conchar plays, we don't get the terrible jaw ties minutes, which, again – I love Taylor Jenkins. I hope he's our coach forever. I think he's an amazing regular season coach. But this is the kind of stuff that frustrates the crap out of me. The jaw ties minutes are loser minutes, period. I mean, I, like how long do we have to see this? And that's for me, if just Conchar's in, that means we're not playing John ties together. Anyway, pro Conchar. 
Well, I will just say this. The NBA, the playoffs are – they are starting out there, – there is something, too, to teams um, who play in that playing game. The Grizz did it against the Jazz. Good point. Where they come out firing, hot, ready to play off basketball quicker than the other um, team that was – you know, that didn't have to play in the play-in. And so the, the obvious big unknown here is what's going to happen with Ja. Uh, regardless of, of Ja, I, I do feel like we will come out firing and with, um, you know, I, I feel like without Ja, we'll, we'll know our identity more. And I would put it at a higher probability of even winning on Wednesday without Ja. Now, I, I'm with you all that the series, I think we need him to win the series. But I think that we can come out and win on Wednesday against a Lakers team that, that may not be as motivated since they've already stolen game one. And getting that little motivation, getting that um, foundation to this team could be super helpful. Um, maybe the ticket prices will go down and um, we could actually attend the game in a decent seat. So if you work for the Grizzlies and you're listening to this, uh-huh. please help a brother out. Um, but I guess for, for Kraft, for Ty, for Will, um, know that, hey, look, this is a safe place. Grizzden is here for you. We know that um, it's a really tough time to be a Grizz fan this Sunday afternoon. Tomorrow, you can wake up. You can take a deep breath. You know the Grizz are going to be back on Wednesday, and we're going to get that dub. Um, but it's going to be a long series. I said Grizz in six. I think now the best case is Grizz in seven. I'm not changing my prediction because that just would, would be silly. But I do think we're up for a long series. So buckle up. Take a deep breath. This is playoff basketball. This is what we have the entire season for. Guys, enjoy breaking down this game with you all. Let's bounce and, back. Um, go Grizz. Let's get it done on Wednesday. Let's bounce back.